be no loyalty except loyalty to the party. They're so threatened by the idea that a conservative speaker might be persuasive and interesting and funny. One man's vulgarity is another man's lyric. And I would say one person's offensive speech is somebody else's challenging the status quo, rocking the boat speech. Are you looking for a podcast that contains verbal safe spaces and is free from trigger warnings? If so, you've come to the wrong place. Because we expect our conversations to be filled with rigorous debate, discussion, and even disagreement. Welcome to the Socially Sensitive Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your host, David. And I'm Wolfie. Everybody's back. Hello, everybody. Uh, everything's been coming out more and more and more about the shooting in, uh, how do you pronounce it, Uvalde, Texas last week yeah, I think on the 24th. The more I see it, the more I realize, you know, anytime the news begins to report something, especially something that quick, that um, mass shooting. And, uh, I mean, this is different. I mean, I know they like to, to interchange and we talk about a lot of like, here's mass shootings, which the FBI categorizes, you know, anything three or anytime an incident happens and three or more people are, are injured from uh, a shooting. But, uh, these kind of fall into their own little category, you know, an active shooter situation is different than, you know, because you can have a nightclub, two gangbangers in a club, trying to shoot each other, you know, and then they, they end up popping off five or six other people wounding accidentally trying to shoot each mm-hmm. other because they're both such horrible shots. And, and they have a tendency to cock their guns sideways. And, yeah. You know, like, like, like this, instead of like this, like everybody's supposed to do. Yeah. And Actually, they, I'm right-handed, so it would be like this. <laughs> so, yeah. And usually once the shooting <laughs> starts they tend to turn and run and still try and shoot. And so, and they point down a lot more. So you end up with a lot more foot shots, ankle shots, leg shots, um, just shooting into groups because, well, they're just horrible shots. But either way, Mm -hmm. that is a different thing. Even though it's a mass shooting, technically, than something like this when it happens when a person has intention on killing as many people as possible usually especially when they go into like we've talked before oh you, they usually pick a target a gun-free zone a movie theater a school uh you know back in our day it was the post office you know the uh, post office you, were big you're 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 right in that that like 93 percent of these mass shooting type incidents happen in gun-free zones which tells me that if you put up a sign that says this is a gun-free zone you're just asking for somebody to come in there and shoot you right so i think i think oh i think instead of getting rid of trying to get rid of guns you should be doing something about gun-free zones because that's to be the place where they come to do their their evil is there so do something about gun-free zones. You need to harden those targets, people. Yeah, I remember... Um, That's right, and I'm going to prove it to you. How many people in this USA would like to have guns? So many, thousands. But 
How many people would like to have VD? <laughs> here we are, here we are. Here's what I was trying to think what it was. All right, everybody clam up. Mr. Archie Bunker, speaking in reply to the editorial broadcast last Saturday. Good evening, everybody. This is Archie Bunker of 704 Houser Street, veteran of the big war, speaking on behalf of Guns for Everybody. Now, question. What was the first thing that the communists done when they took over Russia? Answer, gun control. And there's a lot of people in this country who want to do the same thing to us here in a kind of conspiracy, see. You take your big international bankers, uh, they want to, what do you call, uh, masticate the people of this here nation like puppets on a wing. And then when they get that done, turn this over to the communists. Oh, I'm now, glad I'm they put you on a stool. You, you look tall as sitting down. Now, I want to talk about another thing that's on everybody's mind today, and that's your stick-ups and your sky jackets, which, uh, if that was up to me, I could end the sky jackets tomorrow. You could. All you got to do is arm all your passengers. <laughs> and then he ain't got no more superiority there. He ain't going to dare to pull out no rod. And uh, then your airlines, then they wouldn't have to chase the passengers on the ground no more. They just pass out the pistols at the beginning of the trip and they pick them up again at the end. Case closed. Case closed. Give everybody a gun on you get on the plane. Nobody's gonna pull mm -hmm. a gun because yeah. everybody's got a gun. Exactly. He's actually that's kind of right. Yeah. No, I know that's a little. But his a little his communist son-in-law, the communist son-in-law there, he's there shaking his head no. Yeah, me did. Yeah. But no, I mean, we're. I mean, we we talked about that. So. I know every the media likes to pump all of the mass shootings together. You know, they want to include little group shooting like that that happens every weekend in Chicago in with this so that they mm -hmm. can say, we've had 73 mass shootings since the beginning of the year. When was... Sandy Hook was one. Yeah. And that... Columbine was one. That was like one of the first ones. Yeah, Columbine was in 98, so that was, yeah, 24 years ago. Sandy Hook was 10 years ago. You know, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. 10 years. Mm-mm. Um, no, it doesn't. And I mean, yeah, there's been a lot, of, a lot of them like that. But this one, I'm still, you know, when you draw out the, uh, the timeline, because, okay, the media, when they were first reporting on it, was, okay, you know, we had a, a there's been a, a school shooting, mass shooting in Texas, in Uvalde, Texas. And the initial reports were, you know, the shooter went in, um, the police knew he went in there, and they refused to go in after him. Um, and they just stood around for 45 minutes or an hour and, and let him kill everybody. Or let him, you know, kill as many people as he wanted. You know it's not true. That makes for a, I don't want to say a good news story. Um, but the, the mainstream media could care less about the children. Well, they don't care about the shootings. They don't it, care about anything no, but the no, ratings. Don't. And what's it, a 
it makes for a good news story if your purpose behind the story is we want to defund the police. Right. Or that, I mean, yeah, even that kind of thing. That was if, that was an, an no angle to take for law at enforcement it. at all. Right, but yeah. as soon as it starts happening, they look at ooh, how can we? Okay, what direction are we going to run with this? If it's a, you they're, know, just a crazy run guy. In the direction of they want more gun control. Yeah, but I don't That's think they went into it with that. They always run in. I, I think they we take more gun control. A unique way to tell the story, because all they care about are getting the the eyeballs, getting the ratings. They want to be first. So sometimes you have to sacrifice a little accuracy in the story by getting as much information out there as quickly as you can, yeah, but, but making it unique because they have to separate towards more control. Uh, that's, that's where the politicians, that's where the politicians take it. The media doesn't uh, always even, take it there. The media it's, takes it's it. In the, the media, most of the time they do. And I'm talking like 99% of the time. No, I think most of the time the media wants to. Because we're on the same pages as. Now, I think that happens a lot. But I think the majority of the time, their main focus is they want to pull on everybody's heartstrings. And I don't think they're looking at it because, ooh, we're going to shut down guns. I think they're looking at, ooh, we're going to have an incredible story. We're going to win a Pulitzer with this story. That we're going to win awards. That this is going to be an incredible story. I think that's their focus. Is here's how much money we're going to make off of it. Now I think the guns is a secondary thing. How can we shut down Fox if we're CNN? How can we report it differently to make Fox look bad? I think that's always in the back of their mind. How can we make? How can we tie this into Trump? I think a lot of it always comes down to a lot of them. Left, left media looks at how can we blame Trump on this. I mean, I think there's a lot of things, but I think their initial thing is we want to get out there as fast as possible. We want to be first on the air. We want the the story, which ends up being um, the first reports are always wrong, always wrong. Every single time anything happens, the initial reports are always wrong. You can look at um, the Michael Brown thing. You can look at how they were reporting Kyle Rittenhouse, the way they were reporting him. Um, it made a better story to say he was shooting black people. Um, he's a white supremacist, you know. Uh, the well, even George Floyd, the way they and we had video of it, but the way they were still initially reporting it was completely way off from what it was actually. I mean, the Michael Brown, the hands up, don't shoot. None of that. The Ahmaud Arbery reporting he was out there jogging, just a man jogging, minding his own business, and gets shot by two white men. Everything that gets reported, they always get wrong at first. Um, but either way, the initial on this was he, he is an active school shooter. Police show up. They're scared. They're all cowards. They refuse to go in. They set up a perimeter and they wait till he kills everybody he can. But as you start breaking down the timeline, um, AP put out a breakdown of the timeline based off of, there's a lot of camera footage 
in there's what his truck looked like after he wrecked it, which it was his grandmother's truck, you know, because he shot her, stole he her. He put truck. on his social media. He put on his social media page too that he was going to shoot his grandmother. Well, and he, then he came back a little bit later, well, he, and he bragged that yes, I just got done shooting my grandmother, and she called the the. Well, he he, he wasn't putting on social media. He was texting. Him. He wasn't putting on social media. He was texting that girl. He had met this girl mm. that he was texting her, and then she was she reported it. Um, okay. that he was trying to. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what his thought process impress her. Maybe I don't know. But either way, he shot the he shot the grandmother, the neighbor um, at the grandma in front of the grandmother's house. Heard it, come outside, or he was out in his yard. That's what it was. And he runs to the front yard and sees uh, Ramos um, driving off in the grandmother's truck. And he doesn't get very far before he crashes it. He shoots her a little bit after 11 o'clock. There was a teacher that uh, they haven't reported, but they haven't identified who she was. At first, they were. She said she propped the door open to the school, and uh, in the photos, you can see that uh, the door she was going in and out of was right there next to a parking area, parking lot. Um, she was said she was carrying uh, food into the school. You know, everybody was making a big deal about her propping the door open, but you know, we've done that at our school here. You know, they do uh-huh. that when you when you're taking stuff, when we would show up to take stuff in and out for the concessions for the basketball games and stuff like that. We would always have the car loaded up and, you know, you pull up and what they would usually do is roll the rug up and kind of push it up against the door to keep the door from latching. But either way, the teacher pro- propped the door, but she's carrying the stuff in and out. She uh, he he crashes his truck at eleven twenty eight. He crashes his truck there in the picture into a drainage ditch behind the school. Um, two men at the funeral home across the street um, hear it, and they come running out. That's when he, Ramos jumps out of the, the um, passenger side of the truck with his, gun, with his rifle and a bag of ammunition. They come running towards him because, you know, all they saw was that somebody wrecked. So they're coming to see what they can do. Well, he he uh, starts shooting towards them. Um, he doesn't hit either one of them. So then, you know, they turn and run. And at that point, the um, teacher runs inside to grab her. At, during the crash, she runs inside to grab her phone to report, call 911, report that there's been a crash. So when she comes back outside, that's what she realizes that he has a gun and that's what they said that she ran in, ran back inside. Because initially they were reporting that she had propped the door open, and that's how he got in. Um, but then I guess she was saying no, that she pulled the rock, she used a rock to prop it open, that she moved the rock to close the door um, when she heard he had a gun. So she went inside, but I guess the door didn't lock for whatever reason. So she calls 911, says there was a crash, and there's a guy with a gun at school. That was at 1130. At 11.31, then, he's running up beside the school. And here in this picture, 
here's where he's running up, and he shoots into the window of these rooms. It's rooms 102, 103, and 104. As he comes around the building, and then this door on the end here is the door that she had propped open. But, you know, now it's closed, but still not locked. I guess it didn't latch or whatever. So he comes in the school through there. But as he's going by those windows, he's shooting into the school. So, and then that's at 1131. So based off that timeline, he goes into the school. By 1133 is when he goes into these top two rooms. It's room 111, 112. It's said that they, you can't tell in this, in this picture, but it doesn't, there's no windows in the back. It's a enclosed rooms but this two two rooms are or yeah they're just adjoining classrooms and that's when they said that he went in and he fired then in the classroom um more more than 100 rounds so that was at 11 33 three city police officers show up so you being an officer, Wolfie, how would you put this in your, you know, to compare to how a first responder would handle this? These three officers show up. They go in through the same door that he did, right? Because it's still, mm-hmm. still not locked, the outside door. Mm-hmm. So they come in through the door and... The three city officers come in, and then they're followed by four other officers. So at 1135, there's seven officers that are in this hallway. It says 1137 inside the building. All the officers, they're exchange. I guess they're exchanging. They're in a gun battle. And two of the officers mm-hmm. are wounded. They're hit. And then it says, then 1137, gunfire continuing. 16 rounds are shot in total, um, but it's unclear. Through the audio, you can tell the, they're just counting shots and based off of the, the video. There's 16 rounds, but they can't tell if it's from the police or from him. It's kind of a... There, but there were a total of 16 shots fired. That's at 1137. Well, here, here's, here's the thing. Uh, not just first responder, but just you've got to breach that door. You've got to go. You, you can't seven people against one. You can't the door. You, no, you have to. He's no, in the room. The door. To. Okay. Th- this is what I didn't understand they, until I hear, heard them talking about it. Okay. Let's say you're the first officer. You get there. He's in the room. The both doors to mm-hmm. both of those rooms are locked. He's locked both the doors. Mm-hmm. This is a yes. steel door a steel frame, an outward opening door. How do you breach that door with no gear? You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to become creative. Right. How do you Go do that? Go find a freaking janitor with a, find a janitor with a key. That's what they were doing. And you don't make him come back. You get the janitor, you come back. Uh, that's what that, that's they, how they got in. You're sure there are steel doors? Yes. You're sure there are steel doors? They're not hollow steel or are they solid steel? Solid steel. They're steel cord. They said they were steel cord doors on steel frames. Outward, outward opening. Because all school doors, all commercial doors have to be outward opening for fire hazard. 
to prevent people from massing up to a. Is there any 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 glass on it at all? Nope. And then these the two people I heard them interviewing talking about it. They went into all this different gear, all these different pry type pry bars, all of the they the. I always think of the on the TV show Chicago Fire. The one fireman mm-hmm. invented this pry bar for opening doors like that. It's called the slam again, but it requires a mm-hmm. pry bar and a sledgehammer, and you know, and that's what he said. That's what they needed to get in, and he said. But even then, a steel frame, steel door is really, really hard to do. He said we can get in anything. It all depends on how quickly you need us to do it, and how you know quiet if because sometimes i guess they were talking about breaching doors sometimes you need to be a little more but in this case it's okay, just well, as fast as possible but they had number nothing one, you have to go no, number one you have to go as fast as possible number two you don't have to worry about being quiet because supposedly you just said that they were exchanging gunfire so the guy in the room knew they were out in the hall right he was shooting through the wall and they were exactly and so they were shooting back well, they, it's not a hundred percent clear. Know. They were he was shooting, so he knew someone was out in the hall. Right, because they're trying to get in now, the door. Or not, whether or not the okay, right. So as far as okay, so now the, the, the element of uh Right. There, no, there was never any element of surprise. There was no need for it. So but you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about being quiet. You just gotta get that door open. Right. And the next officers, other than them, didn't show up. And at this point, there's no more firing. After those 16 rounds are fired at 1137, no more shots are fired for 44 minutes. Nothing. And that was the point that then they shifted from an active shooter situation to a barricade situation. And then the goal is to just get into the classroom. The next officers didn't start arriving till 11.51. That's when the police sergeant and other officers started arriving. And at this point, see, the whole time all of this is happening, there's 19 officers in that hallway outside that door. And the media is reporting it as that they were all standing outside scared, not doing anything. Border Patrol was the first tactical team that showed up with equipment they had shields and then they had one of the uh like a one of the the pride things Mm -hmm. and they used that to try and get in the door but that was 44 minutes after the shooting the last shots were fired between when he was shooting at the police through the walls so once they got there, they started doing that. And then that was when, at 12.21, 44 minutes later, he starts firing again when they're messing with the door, when they're out there pounding on the door with the wedge thing, the pry bar thing, trying to get in that way. This whole time, they've been trying to locate the keys to the door. Okay. He's shooting. His bullets are. If it's a solid steel door, they're not coming through the door because they're in front of the door. They're not coming through the door because they're in front of the door. Okay. He's shooting at them. What are the walls made of? 
What are the walls made out of that he was able to shoot through those and wound two officers? Block. Concrete block. Cinder block type thing. Okay. All right. So he starts shooting, trying to shoot at them. It just says he's firing his gun again. He's shooting at the door, but I mean, it's not doing anything. It's just. But this whole time, they've been trying to find, get the keys. Also, this whole time, all of the rest of the officers are evacuating the rest of the students from the school. Because all of it was contained into these two classrooms. Mm -hmm. So officers are getting, during this 45 minutes, are, are evacuating all the other kids. But there are still 19 officers in this hallway working towards that door. And then they finally get the keys because they can't open it, even with that slam. Not, I keep calling it slam again, but whatever that slam pride door thing is, they couldn't get in with that. They finally get keys, unlock the door. And uh, they said when they entered the room, he was hiding in um, a broom closet in the room. And he stepped out and I guess fired and then they shot and killed him. My question is, you as an officer, how would you have handled that differently? I know it's easy to say, oh, well, we're going to get in there. But just based off of the law of physics, how are you going to get in there? What are you going to do? There's no windows, solid walls, steel frame doors, steel solid door. Yeah, well, and I know how, there's a I lot know of how fast that, time. There's, there's a lot of things that are being left out of the scenario. Where are the hinges located on this door? Are they located out in the hall or are they located inside the room? Inside. If they're out in the hall. Then they're inside. Can, they, they said that too. You hinges. Yeah, they're inside. They, that's okay. what they talked about, trying to cut hinges too. They couldn't get to that. But either way, all of this is happening. And this school isn't like in the middle of downtown. It's not a big town. It's a little tiny town. Um, mm -hmm. it, most of the officers, it took close to 15, 20 minutes to get there, except for the initial first responder ones that initially got there. But for the, like, the state to get there and the Border Patrol and all of the, the bigger agencies to get there, most of them took anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes to get there. I mean, imagine if something like this happened and you've got or Damascus let's say take Damascus you know how you know Damascus as far as the city police there mm -hmm. let's say this happened in mm -hmm. at, at Holston at the school there right which technically isn't in Damascus but it's close right, enough right it's close enough i was i couldn't think of what the Damascus elementary school was that's the only reason i said Holston cuz i knew it was the the high school yeah it sits um, out it sits outside of town but it's yeah. right there but let's say whatever the the little elementary school is in town Okay, the local city police would be the first to show up. And you as a, a Damascus city police, you'd show up first. And it would probably take 10, 15 minutes for Abingdon to get there. And maybe state police start showing up. And then within the hour, you're going to have, you know, 100 Sheriff's officers. Sheriff's probably show up too. Yeah. But probably within the hour, you're going to have a ton of people there. Who hauls um, the way they... And like I'm saying, I'm just going by some of these interviews. I heard them talking to them. City police, they don't carry this kind of gear in their car for breaching doors. Most of them aren't, haven't even been through training as to how to do it. Because there is a, a skill to it. 
to do it without getting killed, which I know in this situation would be secondary. I mean, the first goal is to get in the door and those officers going into it know that they're, you know, their lives, you, you coming through the door, you, the first one through might not make it. The second one might not make it. But by the time the fourth or fifth guy gets in there, the shooter's going to be down. It just so happened in this situation, he was hiding. I don't know why mm-hmm. he was hiding. He was, I mean, when they start talking about, because that's what they start talking about, shifting from an active shooter, you know, that's what they always said prior to Columbine, prior to 98, all training was always in a, in a situation like this or a school shooting or anything is, is, is considered like a barricade type. You set up a perimeter and you, you know, then move in. But after 98, after Columbine, your initial is you don't worry about perimeter. You don't worry about it. You, uh, tr- you immediately go in trying to eliminate the threat. Yes. Um, and Columbine kind of rechanged all that. And they were like, everybody has, you know, all police have been through that training now. After this, he's locked in the room. There's no more gunfire. We can't get in the room. Um, 44 minutes goes by with no shots fired. This is a, now it's a barricade situation. They start talking about the outcomes of most barricades suspects. It's usually one, they commit suicide. Um, or two, they attempt to fight their way out. And it's kind of, then it's kind of a suicide by cop kind of thing because they're not going to mm-hmm. win most of the time in a situation like that. Or in mm-hmm. some cases, like in uh, the New York one, um, they surrender. Sometimes they do surrender um, after they're barricaded in that they finally realize, you know, um, they shift from killing uh, uh, the, the goal being killing other people to then they either shift to preserving their own life or, you know, or trying to trying to figure out what's their exit strategy is going to be. How am I going to end my own life? How am I going to make this cool? But I was just, you know, trying to think and without looking at it as to how CNN is reporting it or MSNBC is reporting it or Fox is reporting it or anybody is reporting it. Just looking at the facts. And I'm, I mean, I'm not an officer. I was never trained. You, you've been through all of that. I was just curious as to how would you have done something different? I know could have got a settling torch, maybe come through the roof. I mean, I don't know how the building is set up that way. I mean, I, I <laughs> don't know. There's a, whole, there's a whole lot of things that I don't know about the building. Right. Uh, and mean, they didn't, and they all didn't the report, either. All the, re- all the reports, well, that's, that's another problem right there. Well, most of those officers – Right, most of those the, the officers three guys weren't that there. Were town, right, three guys that were the town officers. They should have been. They should have been at least passingly familiar with the schools in their jurisdiction. When just for a, 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 something like this happening, I could understand the basic layout, but not the constructural yeah. integrity of the building. When you were in Damascus, when you were oh, yeah. in Damascus, did you know whether it was fire? Every room was fire protected in the ceilings yeah, between. No, no, I did not. I did not know that. But then again, and I hadn't been to the academy when I was over there either. Right, but the academy is not going to teach you about this specific school. Yeah, no, it's not. And the city's not going to put is, you through is, training to is, learn any of that. And this is looking back on it now, years later. But right, yeah, to be responsible, you should you should be looking. You know, 
Number one, where was the school resource? Does, have you heard where the school resource officer was for this school? He wasn't or there. Is there a school yeah, they have one, but school. he wasn't that there that day. But as soon as he heard it, as soon as he heard about it, he says he he wasn't on the campus at that time. Um, mm-hmm. he, was it like a day off or something uh, like that? Um, I don't know. It just says that he wasn't there. He drove as soon as he heard after he heard the nine one one call or got the 911 call report, he drove straight to the school. And I think he was he was one of the first seven in. I don't think he was. He wasn't one of the first three. The first three in the door were city police. And then, mm-hmm. and then within, you know, what was two the, minutes. What was the SRO? Was he a deputy he, sheriff? Uh, it just says school district police officer. So I don't know what the actual level is. What Okay. Like ours here, our school resource officers we have here are um, county deputies because our county school is the only one that has one. Our city school doesn't have one. Right. I think it's different to having a, a resource officer there, a, a really well-trained, armed, you know, really well-trained person working there. I think that's different than a metal detector. I don't think metal detectors going to make any difference. Um, I go through metal detectors almost every day going in and out of the courthouses. Mm-hmm. And most days I walk right around them because I'm in there so often and I'm carrying my bag and they all know me and they wave me through or wave me around. So at that point, that metal detector is now useless because I mm-hmm. could be just yeah. as crazy as anybody else. I'm not. But <laughs> that depends on who you have that conversation <laughs> with. <laughs> True. Now, now, I, see, all of this comes down to for this this shooting, it's real easy to say the officer screwed up. It is, and it's it's real easy to. But to, I don't for know. Me to say you're not doing everything that you possibly can. I mean, that's why my question you know, to you is: What would you have it. done? You've been trained, so Jeez. what would you have done? Like I said, there's a lot of structural things that I just don't know about the school. Right, and and neither did they probably. The I don't. And you got to remember, I mean, every single thing you're doing, also, it's not like just breaching a door, coming in on somebody that is going to be shooting. If if we're like, okay, we're going to start busting out blocks of the wall. Well, first of all, you're going to be pretty open. Mm-hmm. Um, before you're ever able to get through that wall. That's true. So he's going to be loading that thing full. So you're going to say, okay, we're going to kill off the first 15, 20 officers in front because they were using the, they had the shields. They were using the shields as they were trying to pry on the door too because when Mm -hmm. the uh, border patrol came, the crew, um, they brought, they had the, like, I guess, right gear type shields. Mm-hmm. because a normal officer doesn't have those. Yeah, no. But see, that's what everything was shifting to. The media was reporting it as that they made a choice to not go in, to just per- set up a perimeter and wait outside. And that's not true. There were 19 officers in that hallway almost the entire time. The initial seven during the gunfight or during the first initial exchange, but then he stopped shooting. I guess he realized they're not they're not able to come in, and he just stopped shooting, and then nothing happened. Like I said, it went forty four minutes with no shots. 
but they're mm-hmm. still all out there trying to come up with what are we doing, you know, and I don't know how the communications work between, I mean, I know like the media keeps reporting 911, all these 911 calls from inside the school. Well, none of those mm-hmm. officers had any of that information. Yeah. Not nah. that any of the information was really helpful, but, but at least you kind of, the, the media was just wanting to report the 911 calls because most of them were kids calling just because it kind of tugs right. at your heartstrings a little more. But even the communication between, like, the sheriff's department, the city police, the state police, the border patrol, I imagine none of that. There's no radio communication, I wouldn't imagine, between any of those groups. Hmm, it would depend on if they had a, uh, an agreement or not. Because the, Mutual aid agreement. the one guy that was speaking on behalf of the police, the McGraw guy, Mm-hmm. He was saying that for them to communicate, they would have had to have been doing it through a, like a group text type thing. Mm-hmm. And, and he said in, in that well, moment, that wouldn't got, have really you, worked. No, you, well, you, you've got mutual aid agreements, which you can, between organizations and municipalities and stuff like that, in which case, you know, you can, you, your city cops can get help from the county sheriff's department and in turn can get help from the state police and get help from Border Patrol, but then again, there's also the fact of being able to communicate with them, depending on how, you know, updated their systems are and so forth. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. Right. Uh, I mean, and like, like I said, I mean, just off, there's just, you got, jeez. Like I said, a lot of this stuff that you're telling me, I haven't been able to find as a, uh, like I said, I didn't know about the steel, I didn't know about the steel door. I didn't know it was steel cord. Uh, like that, I didn't know that. I didn't know that they had. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know he had locked himself in a room. I, I know he was in a in a classroom, and I don't understand why they didn't breach and go. There's a lot of things, and I I haven't had a whole lot of time to look into it, but I have had right. some time to look into it, and I've, I've seen different things. But a lot of the information that you're giving out, I haven't seen. So my my uh, oh, it's coming out now. The new man, the New York Times article on it today had all this in it too. They're reporting it now, mm-hmm. a week later. Right. But right. their whole argument is, I've, I don't know how many people I saw in the past two days saying, I don't want to hear your arguments on doors. It has nothing to do with the door. It has to do with the fact that he had guns he shouldn't have been able to, uh, he shouldn't have been allowed to have. That was what they continued to fall back on. I'm not going to argue doors. I'm not going to argue police. I'm not going to argue any of this. He shouldn't have the gun. That's most people's arguments anytime the other stuff comes up. Yeah, and there again, this whole thing is about gun control. That's, right, for them. And the thing about it, that also, he was 18, which means he was legally old enough to purchase the gun. He passed the background check, Yeah, which we do. Uh, no one knew he was going to do what he was going to do. The only thing I can he had kind see of to, he, he had told the yeah the girl that he was going to shoot the girl the grandmother and then he but had that to- was probably after that was probably after he already had his guns he's not going to tip oh, his, yeah. I mean maybe he would maybe he would maybe he is that crazy but I doubt he'd be that crazy to tip his hand before he actually got a hold of the weapons because then you can get a hold of it before. And say, hey man, you know, been hearing some disturbing things about you. And well, he had he had been trying to get spoiled. He had been trying for the past couple of months to get people to buy guns for him, to buy them for him. He tried to get, 
I think his his aunt to buy them for him. He had tried. I know mm-hmm. he had tried a couple of times, and they they wouldn't do it. But it, so as soon as he turned eighteen, he just went and did it himself. Um, right. But that's that was another. And you know that's all conspiracy. Is everybody's like, well, first of all, here's an eighteen year old kid. He doesn't have a job. I don't know hey, what he hold, does. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Not kid. He's eighteen years old. Okay, he's, he's a man. He's an eighteen year old man. He's an adult. He's an adult. He, but he at he, that point he can join the military. He can go off. He can die for his country if it, that's you know in the cards for him. Right. He's not a kid anymore. He's a man. Right. But the, he's an adult. He doesn't have a job. Um. Yeah. Where is his money coming from? Because nobody That's seemed to question. know where the money came from. His grandmother, his mother, they didn't seem to know, you know, like the one, because the two, the two rifles he bought, the one is like $1,600 and the other one was $2,200. He had almost, almost three grand worth of ammo. He had mm-hmm. almost $1,800 worth of clips because he, he had every round of ammo that he had, he had already mm-hmm. in clips. Right. He had already clipped, so he didn't have any loose ammo. He had clipped everything. So he magazine, had, you probably magazined it. Yeah. Put it in a magazine. So he had about I think they said about nine grand worth of stuff. Count the yeah. he had a handgun illegally that he purchased. Um from somewhere. Um so that's what they're like, well, where did where he get this money? I know that's all conspiracy because people like to hunt for stuff, saying that somebody backed him and somebody the first initial officers that went in, they at least, at the very least, contained him to two rooms. And the only reason it's two rooms because they're adjoining rooms. They've got a center cross door. Right. So nobody else in the rest of the school in that moment, that it made it op- an opportunity to evacuate everybody else pretty safely. And that's a good thing. Right. Uh now, like I said, you just the, you keep on making the scenario harder and harder because of all this information that I've not had, you're giving it to me, so it's new to me. But uh, you know, it's then I can I can kind of understand why the timeline looks the way it does because to get the resources there to be able to breach that door, you're looking at you got to get like I said, you got to get some kind of tactical unit in there that actually has the resources to do something like that. Right. And even and once did you say they did get there, Yeah, and when they did, they were the first ones there that had those I they kept on the one thing I was listening to, they kept calling with that one interview, they kept calling it a name. I can't remember what it it was a wedge something. He he described mm-hmm. he didn't have pictures of it, but he described it. It's basically like a big pro bar, pro bar with a with a hook thing on one end and prongs on the other end, and then like a pivot arm that moved on it. And he said, but even mm-hmm. then you have to drive it in with a sledgehammer to get it in. Right. And then, but then he said, right. and he said, even then on a steel door, on a steel frame, he's like, I'm not saying it's impossible to get that open, but it's going to take some time and some work. And that's what they were right. starting to do. When he then he's when he starts shooting it towards the door again, um, but then that's when they got the keys right after that. So they didn't even get in when they had the equipment. They still couldn't get the door open. They had yeah, they, well, I'm, until I'm, they got the keys. But as soon as they had the keys, they got the door open and killed him. Right. Watching the media and everybody talk about it, armchair quarterbacking it. I I don't know. 
what I would have done differently. And but I'm not trained either, so I don't know. I mean, everybody was like, "Well, why didn't they just shoot him through the window? A sniper could have took him out through the window, or why'd they not just use thermal, shoot him through the walls?" And you know, and that's what they kind of get into some of that. These guys, and they're like, "Too many people play Call of Duty and watch too many movies." In the real world, things like that don't happen. He said they think, oh, you've got this guy's got a hostage and he's holding them and, you know, his head, he's got like a an inch and a half clearance between his head and the other head and you got a hundred yards to make that shot and they think you should just pick him off like that, that it's that easy. Um, yeah, no, it's, and they're it's like, never that That's easy. not how the real world works. That's not, it's not a video game. Everybody wants it to be, oh, John Wick busted in there or, you know. And like you see it in on TV or in the movies, and that's not always the case. My whole thing with this is, I don't know if he was intending to go to that school because he was. That's just, the one thing that I don't understand either. He's eighteen years old. He supposedly he's been bullied his entire life. Yeah, but and what, if he's pissed, if he's pissed, he's got to be pissed at someone in his class, and those people aren't going to be in an elementary school. I'm thinking because he crashed his truck. He just picked that, was that just one. A, that was, yeah, he just picked that school. That was just a target of opportunity because he wasn't going to make it to where he actually wanted to go. Right. Uh, so he chose that, that, that location. But see, more, the more and more that kept coming out about him and when he was in school, he wasn't mm-hmm. bullied in school. He was the bully. They said he was always oh. the aggressor. He was always the one oh, okay. starting fights and getting into fights. And he was just an evil kid when he was in school and then now he's just an mm. evil adult man that's now dead uh, well that's true yeah and there again more information that was wrong uh, it, that i heard i've heard that he was the one that was bullied right you've that, heard that's that initially is, how was, they first started was saying the it. bully so yeah you've got there's just all kinds of information out there that's just it's either wrong or it, it contradicts itself now i will trust a resource uh, officer that's well-trained, but I'm not going to trust a teacher unless they're well-trained. Now, if a teacher wants to actually be trained to be, I mean, I'm not even thinking, I don't want even want a city police officer. I want something higher trained than that because most city police officers aren't very well-trained. Most of them are underpaid, underappreciated, and yeah, I know. And they've been, I know. most of them are out of shape. They're, they're, they're there for a easy paycheck. Especially the ones in small towns sometimes. Because they know nothing's going to probably happen. That's why I would prefer, in a situation like that, I would prefer military over. Because police training is, is a different mindset. You know, when you were in the military, your goal with the enemy was to eliminate. Yes. The and police, you double tap as you go over the objective. Right. And the police. Sure right. And the police is you eliminate the threat, but maybe not the threater. And I think at that point, you eliminate the threater. If you come well, in, I, I don't want you to be thinking about constitutional rights and did I call them a bad name as I was throwing them to the ground, arresting them? Mm-hmm. Or No, I want right. you to double tap it and end it. Because most of the time when they come oh, into the that, school... I can agree with you. Because <laughs> most of the time when they come into the school, that's what they're doing. They're not playing by any set of rules. So why should you go, well, we have to follow these rules and these rules and this. It's like, no. You just end it. Yeah. On that, I can concur and I can agree with you. You do. That should be it. And 
Okay, here's your another question. <clears throat> as, as, as an officer with background and training, um, I know the media was making a huge deal about the um, them not letting the parents in. Would you have let one single parent into that into an active shooter situation? No, no. I wouldn't think. No, you shouldn't do that. If let's say Dad Joe Schmo shows up carrying his shotgun. Wanting to go in to get his kid, what are you going to do? You're going to tell him he can't go, right? I mean, it's a wonder he didn't get shot. True. I mean, who True. who knows? Even if he's a he's a an accomplice, yeah, you never can tell. Or, and that's that's just and and the thing about and I felt so bad for that because I've seen some video of the cops on the outside of the building trying to get a hold of these. You know, I think it was a mother. Yeah, and you could tell she's obviously distraught. You know, because her baby's inside, and she just wants to get in and make sure that they're safe right you know and they're they're actually they've they've wrestled her to the ground and you know they didn't want to do that they no. don't have to do that to keep her out because you don't you, you don't need her in there i mean i i think they were just the media was trying to make it anything less than a fairy tale ending was somebody's fault and sometimes situations don't they just don't play out perfect no um, i mean ideally this kid would have shot at his grandmother and missed her, and she'd have shot back and killed him. But that didn't happen. Right. Or he would have shot her or just decided, eh, I'm just going to eat a bullet myself and not shoot anybody. You just save everybody some trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then why buy two rifles and all that ammunition? I know. If, I'm, if we will do it. For all we know, he was headed to Walmart. That's some really gallows humor. Yeah, for all we know, he was headed to Walmart. Or Walmart or the high school that he graduated from. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. The, the only, only thing I worry was going. The only thing I pulled from the entire situation is that uh, the media, no matter what they report, the first twenty-four hours, you can pretty much assume every piece of it is wrong. Oh well. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right. See you. See Bye. You. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from us, you can go to sociallysensitive.com and follow us on Instagram at sociallysensitive and on Twitter at sociallysense. Thanks again, and see you next time. Somebody pray for me.